when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. How you doing, Internet? It's me, Danielle. I'm here live from Lobby One with Waypoint Radio, and I'm not really hosting because Austin's really here. I'm right here. I'm in Lobby One. You know, I felt like I had to do the how you doing, Internet. I can't say what's good because I'm not you. So, you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to be equitable. Here on uh, April 7th, I had to look. You have to look at the day. This is what I'm saying. I I hand over hosting for one day, and... You almost forget the date. Not like me, who always gets the date right. You always uh-huh. get the date right, uh-huh. you know. Who's always prepared. We need to go. We need to go check the evidence on that one, please. No, there is no. Dear, dear listener, <laughs> uh, dear listener. I don't know about podcasting that. Podcasting is an uh, is an ephemeral uh, art form, and I'm logging into our Libsyn account to delete everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is ephemeral. It is very ephemeral. Well, joining me today, obviously, is Austin Walker. How's it going? And Patrick Klepek. I showed up. Yeah, you showed up. You're doing good. <laughs> You're ahead of the game at this point. I'm, I, I'm always behind the game, but if you want to describe it that way, that's fine. I'll accept it. That's fine. Austin, you can actually host. No, I'm good. I'm good. I just <laughs> had to say the how you do an internet, you know? Uh-huh. You're trying it's to fine. get this new different catchphrase through. I got you. How you doing, internet? It's, I'm not trying to get the catchphrase through. I, get I just it. can't emulate your catchphrase. Push the brand. I cannot do it justice. You know what I'm saying? I do know I do know that uh, Austin or I are capable of emulating the, the DK rap. But uh, from what I understand, Danielle, you, you, you said you would produce 40%, 40% of the DK rap for us Which today. Which 40? That's correct. Is it 40 concurrent or is it 40? Like, <laughs> it's just 40, do we have to 40% bits and pieces. from the rap? Yeah. Bits and pieces. So there's, of course, Donkey Kong's verse, which is, his coconut gun fires and spurts. If he shoots you, it's gonna hurt. Doesn't, okay. And there's the verse, it's like, DK, Donkey Kong, DK. Wait, Donkey his verse is here. Wait, wait, his verse is those two lines? He doesn't even have eight bars? I mean, there's more. I told you I only know 40%. Okay. I was trying to be honest about this. And then there's Lanky Kong, which is he has no style. He has no grace. This Kong has a funny face. DK. Donkey Kong. Told you, 40%. I'm over here on gaps. the uh, rapgenius.com, genius.com, <laughs> DK rap bit here this uh the there's a, a an annotator here who who notes on the there's the line as we take you through this monkey rap uh and this this genius has added this rap is about monkeys or more specifically three gorillas two chimpanzee chimpanzees and an orangutan right lanky kong is the orangutan of the group this is important for you to know about donkey kong 64 one of one of the not amazing uh, 3D platformers of the N64 Bad game. era. Bad I game. seriously want to read a book about that because most of those platformers were fantastic and they hold up pretty well. Honestly, I went back and I played Rare Replay 
not that long ago. Banjo-Kazooie is fantastic. I played through the entire thing recently. Uh, Banjo-Tooie is very good. I think it did some really cool things with adventure game design. And this all wraps into a really great segue, which is the fact that, Patrick, I know you've been playing a lot of ukulele. I've Wait, been playing some stop, ukulele. pause. We, we hold on to ukulele. I made that work, Austin. I don't know. You didn't. You didn't, because there's something important <laughs> I need to get out there. Like, like, I said I mean, before I mean, we started. I, Austin interrupts your... Like, I, I don't know what's going on. This podcast has now no. made me deeply uncomfortable. I don't, like, your great segue got killed. What, it what do you have to say, segue. Austin? It was a great segue, but, segue. but listen. The way, the way, the way to what you're about to say. Okay, uh-huh. I like birds. I just don't like pet birds. I, on okay. Monday's podcast, I made the claim that I didn't like birds. We are talking about dogs okay. and cats. We were having yeah. a good conversation. And then I mentioned that I don't like birds. And people on the internet were very upset at me because people like birds. And I get it. People like birds. But I don't like just pet birds. I, and I bring this up because I have like this very vivid memory of being young Austin and having my mom <laughs> complain about the birds in the yard. We had this like, nice yard. We moved into a house eventually. Like We eventually were able to move into a house. It was great. And there were birds. And she hated it because the birds were loud and woke her up. And mm-hmm. I loved waking up to the sound of birds. And I like Aww. birds in general. I like how there are birds out in the world. I like hearing them. I like seeing them. They I just fly. don't want them it's in nice. my house. And I just needed to clarify that before we move on to talk about video games. It seems like just, backpedaling. It's this this feels it's like not, big big bird not. has Here's come the, in I and mean, pressured Austin to uh, to change his position. The goalposts are moving. No, Austin. No, 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 no. In fact, fuck people who have pet birds. That's what I'm saying. The thing is, right. the thing is, honestly, how do you feel about Big Bird? Big Bird gets to go wherever Big Bird wants. In fact, Big Bird went okay. missing once, and people have to go look for him. And here's the thing: let it's Big Bird movie. go missing. Big Bird goes to wherever the fuck he wants. He's a bird. Let him fly away. That's true. I I have He's a, a hard bird. time looking at birds in cages. Is the real fucking? If we like get into my like brain real quick, if we want to psychoanalyze. Do you know why me, it sings? It's upsetting to see birds in cages because I know what they're capable of, and that's such a small space. So you hold that against the birds. No, you just hate people. I, I said I hate people who have I I dislike people who have pet birds. I don't dislike them. I dislike that they have pet. Birds. I have a hard time with pet birds. All right, that's okay. how I'm struggle. Uh, Donkey Kong has a pet bird named Squawks. So here's an example. I like geese. Lots of people hate geese because they're shitty and mean, and they are. They're literally shitty. That's right. But a, guess what? Dog. Like sometimes fruit. geese have to go places. Like. I don't need to. De- I don't need to define my relationship to birds based on how well they fit into my life. Like, guess what? Lions will also fuck you up. I still like lions. I just stay the fuck away from them. Geese are like lions. Okay, lions are pretty good. All right, we're good with lions. Patrick's not good with lions, though. Patrick's good with dinosaurs, I mean, just, which are just basically to keep birds. Track of everything. Hey, you that's, know, in hey, terms Austin, of, of that's who a, likes that's what its own animal. separate conversation. Uh, the science is not settled this, on. Wait, the, is it not? The bir- I, thought- there, I found this blog on the internet that said the science is not settled, and so that is not a consensus, and so. Um, I'm sticking with it. Doesn't doesn't mean dinosaurs are birds. That's okay. fine. Are you a bird truther? I believe in the truth. <laughs> I've Big never bird seen hasn't a dinosaur. Him yet. I've never seen a dinosaur and a bird in the same place. I mean, yeah, I've never seen a dinosaur with feathers. Have you? Images. Pictures? Not not pictures. Not I've photos. Seen, I've seen a few shops in yeah, my yeah, time. Photographs. Austin. You know. You know those pixels. You can see the pixels. Yeah. I can see the. Yeah. You can see those. I know how the moon Literally. landing works. Come on. All right. It's true. Apologies for stepping all over your segue, but I, I okay, said before right. we started, I had to get this off my chest right away because it's been burning. It's been burning inside of me. It's you been... had to get it off your chest, and now do you feel light like a bird? 
You feel like you could fly away? No, because I'm stuck in this podcast for the next 50 minutes. Yeah. Well, so no. this podcast without a good segue now. I could get to, we could get back to a good segue. If we want to keep riffing, I promise we'll get back. <laughs> well, all right. One half of the duo right. of ukulele is a bat, uh-huh. which is a, not a bird, but it is a flying creature, a small flying creature. So uh, dinosaur no, means terrible go. lizard. There's a lizard in it, too. The thing that I like, the reason that I don't like... Uh, birds in cages is because I have such a clear image of them flying <laughs> vertically, flying up into the air, far away from things. They have so much mobility, so much freedom. And Danielle, all week, all you've been saying to me is, I wish I liked ukulele, but it doesn't have the verticality of Banjo-Kazooie. It doesn't have the freedom exactly of movement. It. That's exactly it. See, now you did it. There we that's, go. that's perfect and, we're back. and beautiful. I have been playing a lot of ukulele. I'm not as far in as I want to be because I keep not, I don't know. I, it's like I'll play for a while and then I just have to put it down because I'm so upset. Uh, I, I will preface this by saying I'm probably the world's like biggest Banjo Kazooie fan like ever. I, I made a video at Polygon about how I think Banjo Kazooie is actually better than Mario 64. I think it has incredible level design. It has adventure game inspired puzzles. It has a lot of things. It's doing different things. And I will also say, I also love Mario 64 dearly, and it came out before it. It is a more important game. It was the more revolutionary game. It's just Banjo, because we took that and did some things a little different with it. That's all. That was my argument there, and will be my argument what, now. Wait, what sort of things did it do differently? Because, like, so I'm someone who so never again, played those games. Okay, so in Mario 64, you start out with the same moveset. It's beautiful, it's rich, it's wonderful, the level design supports it. But at Banjo-Kazooie, you learn moves sort of as you go. And you actually get more and more powerful sort of as you go. My biggest thing that I actually really love about it, and I, I like that design paradigm, I think you could do good things with both. <coughs> what I love the most about Banjo-Kazooie is that it becomes basically an adventure game by the end. You're actually sort of solving puzzles that are very adventure game design inspired. There's a world at the very, very end that has four seasons. You have to do things in one season that will carry over into the other seasons. I really like that. I like that sort of continuity. I mm-hmm. like that sort of storytelling. You know, it's not really like explicit storytelling, but it's this, this kind of living world that's evoked much better through that kind of design. And the levels had an incredible verticality to them. Some of the levels were incredibly tall. They're deep. They're interesting. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of nooks and crannies. It's fun and exciting. And again, I say this having played it again fairly recently. Right. This is not, this is this not, is not me being pure like, nostalgia when talking. I was 14, it was great, and now it, eh, yeah, it yeah, kind of yeah. sucks. No, I actually think it's a very, very good 3D platformer. And Banjo-Tooie, I promise I'll make this quick, but the sequel... Uh, was maybe not quite as as pure purely great platformer, but it it really leaned into that sort of adventure game design thing you did in one world carried over into other worlds. I, I mean, they this kind of fun fuzzy logic. I had a friend tell me really about the nice. stop and swap stuff. Yeah, you know yeah, where they where they yeah they intended to have uh, actions that you uh, took in Banjo Kazooie influence and unlock stuff in Banjo. And there was going to be a whole way it worked. And they actually made it work in the Xbox Live Arcade release. Oh, did Presumably they? in the Rare uh, replay release. So they I didn't actually. Know they did. I believe that's true. I, 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 I believe it's true that they actually managed to make good on the connective tissue between those Hot two swap. games in the re release <laughs> as opposed to the N64 one, which became like the subject of lots of conspiracy theories Ooh. when I was younger. Of like, well, actually, there is a way for you to like connect these two games if you do a certain thing and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it never actually, because I was obsessed with that as a kid, was the idea, like, it was just such a cool concept 
like the idea that you could do something in the first game and have that unlock stuff in the second game, right? Um, but it just it just never happened. And I'm I'm not sure why exactly. I'm sure I knew at some point, but I don't remember what the it had to do with the cartridge swapping itself. Like you had to the way it was going to work was you had Banjo Kazooie in your N64. You had to kind of grab it out and within 30 seconds put Banjo Tooie back in. But that was actually destructive to the actual hardware. These are physical yeah. cartridges, so they couldn't end up doing it. But it was that idea like it would be in the system memory for 30 seconds or whatever and then you could do the thing the thing my friend uh, aj shouts aj was telling me literally last night about this was that nintendo was like no you can't do that like that's dangerous like, you're gonna you break it yeah, yeah. so <laughs> thanks nintendo yeah so that that was my very long preface to my feelings about ukulele which i think is important to have in context because i was primed and ready 3d platformers are probably my favorite kind of game ever out of everything maybe 2d platformers give it you know ask me on what day uh, but platformers are my thing mm-hmm. they are the type of game i love to play they're interesting to me they're fun to me i get a lot of joy from jumping but also from like interacting with big weird worlds that have a lot of nooks and crannies and stuff to explore ukulele sounds like a banjo kazooie game in every way good and bad uh, the music is amazing and dynamic and beautiful it has the sound effects when people are talking they're like boop, 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 the whole deal with that but it does not feel or play like banjo kazooie it feels stiff the camera is a constant annoyance and the biggest indictment uh so far at least uh you know sort of from my playtime with it is that the levels feel flat they feel like Skylanders levels, which are not really mm-hmm. pure platformers. Those are honestly more sort of combat games that happen to have yeah. wider worlds. There's not that much jumping, to be honest, in like a Skylanders game. Uh, but this is without any of kind of the combat or interesting things about Skylanders. So it's kind of literally falling flat for me. And I know, Patrick, you have been playing it as well. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I play like the first 90 minutes. Like, uh, I am not going to touch your Mario 64 versus Banjo-Kazooie argument with a 10-foot pole, um, but I will say I that this I... this on now. Wait a second. Uh, no, I <laughs> I distinctly remember being annoyed about this argument and never knew you were the one that was the one p- uh, peddling it, it over Polygon. It but we're going to just... percent my We're just going to leave that be. We're going to leave, we're gonna leave that All be. Right. Because right. I, I was a huge Mario 64 fan and also a huge... Uh, a banjo kazooie uh, fan, and for all the same reasons that you're talking about, um, like the expansiveness of the world was very uh, was a huge part of the appeal. Is that every time you went into a new area, it was just like awe inspiring for how much you could explore and how much you were rewarded for kind of poking around, as opposed to Mario 64, which is a much more sort of directed, goal oriented uh, experience. Even if that took place in areas that felt wide, it was it was actually kind of narrow in terms of what you were accomplishing as the player. Um, and yeah, Yuka Yukulele does absolutely nothing for me. Like I think it is a pale, boring imitation of of these games. I think it uh, it, it doesn't it like it feels like you're reanimating a corpse, like a Frankenstein, but with like none of the actual like liveliness yeah. and and fun and joy that I got out of the Banjo Kazooie games. Like it just feels incredibly forced in a, in a way that uh, has made it a slog to play. And not even that, I just think fundamentally as a game, like it's poorly designed, like the goals that are present in it, um, you know, you're, uh, it's very unclear what you're supposed to even do in the game a lot of the time. Like, for example, you'll, you'll constantly unlock routes to, you know, you're trying to collect these pages and these pages will either allow you to do one of two things. They allow you to enter into 
to brand new worlds, or they allow you to expand the worlds that you're currently in, um, which is kind of an interesting idea in concept. I would have preferred the worlds were just fully unlocked to begin with, and uh-huh. so you could just you could just explore at your own leisure these giant spaces as opposed to being told like, "Hey, come back when you've gotten some pages, and this world will be larger." But yeah. even that, all that said, like there are. Sections in the game that I found where uh, I've, I've clearly run into sort of like a puzzle or a, a combat area or some sort of thing that will allow me to, uh, to get a page. But it's not clear if I'm even capable of accomplishing the task because one of the things this game does is that it has you buying move sets from a vendor. And so – I, he, uh, by the way, is Trouser the Snake. Tra- yeah, right. Trouser the Snake. Yeah. Mm. Trouser yeah. the mm. Snake. Mm. Trouser Snake. Mm. Yep. Um, and Trouser so like, you know, I, I've, I've had multiple sections where it's unclear to me if I'm just in, I have not figured out what to do or I don't have the move to actually accomplish the task. And the game does very little to communicate whether you should, you know, it doesn't like, you know, there's not like the, uh, a creature comes up to you at the beginning and says, Hey buddy, like make sure you've got like this or else you're not going to be able to do this. Like instead I end up wasting 20 minutes futzing <sighs> around with something, not knowing if I'm actually able to accomplish it. Is it just a list of moves you could buy in whatever order you want? Or is it like one of the yes. top? How would you know which ones would help you unlock different exactly. areas? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, it's, it's some way, some ways, some ways, it, it it's it communicates that. Like, for example, like the first sets of moves you can buy, like one is sort of like a butt stomp equivalent, and like right next to the vendor are these rocks that clearly have some cracks in them, and then you mm. can butt stomp them. Like that's usually how games communicate that, but that's it's usually because they're doling out the uh, the moves to you in a very specific way, which is that it is granted to you as as a, a gatekeeping device, and then here's a demonstration of how you use it so you can go back into the world and apply that to maybe areas you were in before. But I'm I'm constantly finding that I'm discovering things and not knowing if there's anything I can do with... Like, there's one section, for example, where uh, you clearly have to aim at these very specific targets... But they're not, like, level with you, so you can't, you know, when you first unlock the ability to fire, uh, you can shoot in front of you. And you can, you know, change the direction of the character to, to change that on a, on a horizontal level. But these shots are clearly on a vertical scale. But I don't th- – I have not unlocked, I don't believe, the ability to, like, freeform shoot or is that something that I can unlock or am I supposed to, like – do trick jumps in order to like change the verticality so I can't like mm. the game doesn't communicate at all whether I've j- I'm just not putting it together or I don't have a thing that I have to unlock three worlds from now right. then come back because that would that's a thing that ha- would make sense that hey come back with some other moves and then you're able to right. discover new parts of this world but I, I've just found it lifeless uh, frustrating and as someone that really enjoyed those games it, it, it contrasts uh, uh, in a really strange way to another game I played 90 minutes of, Thimbleweed Park, which does, like, a much better job of, like, adapting an older style of Can game. You set that up a little bit? What is what yeah, is Thimble- Thimble- yeah, Thimbleweed Park is, Thimbleweed Park is. is uh, uh, Ron Gilbert, who is uh, one of the uh, co-creators of uh, Monkey Island, worked on a lot of, you know, LucasArts games, Maniac Mansion, and... He he had set off and did a Kickstarter for his own brand new adventure game called Thimbleweed Park, which takes place in like this sort of weird, odd town. And these two detectives come in to investigate a murder. Um, and the setup of the game is the very scum style uh, old school adventure game where you're, where you're using specific verbs to interact with the world. So look at, pick up, pull, um, and uh, 
he's made just another one of those style of games, uh, but made it in 2017, and it works from what I from what I've played so far about the same in both games, a hell of a lot better than my experience in in ukulele, um, which is is disheartening. What do you think makes that work specifically? And uh, Danielle, have you checked out Thimbleweed, Thimbleweed at all? I know not you were yet. I, it's on curious. my list. I yeah. think I have a code, so it's it's gonna happen. But yeah, Patrick, what is what is working for you in that? I don't. It's well. It's 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 difficult to tell. Like I don't I don't know if I could put my thumb on why Thimbleweed Park is working for me versus a ukulele. Like uh, you, now you said you went back and you played Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie and it holds up for you. Whereas like my initial thought would be, well maybe just the, that game design just doesn't work as well in 2017. Um, so it is possible. You know, it's interesting where I, I think it's possible I could go back and play Banjo Kazooie and kind of go eh. I just don't know if I want to play this style of game anymore. Right. Whereas you clearly have played that style of game recently, reaffirmed that you do like it, and so then there are reasons that ukulele is falling flat for you that are different than what would be my my first theory on this, which is that, well, it's just the traditional adventurous scum-style setup just holds up better mm-hmm. in 2017. Also, uh, I, I would potentially posit that Thimbleweed Park learns certain lessons of game design from between from then to now that I don't think ukulele yeah. necessarily applies. Like just because you're adopting an older style of of, of of game premise like setup doesn't mean that you can't learn a lot from what's happened. And it may be the case, and, and I'm also limited because of the amount of time I spent with both. But my my I, I might be able to suppose that Thimbleweed Park does a better job of learning lessons of streamlining and adapting an older style of game to the modern era than ukulele I mean, did itself. Part of that is, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I am actually completely wrong here, but a thing I hear a lot is like, Oh, the, the death of the adventure game, but the adventure game actually didn't go like there were, there was definitely less big budget, like huge prestige adventure games as there were in the nineties. But like, People kept making adventure games over the last yeah. 15 years. Some of them were really great. They went to new platforms. The DS was a great home for, for adventure games. Uh, the rise of, like, the, the sort of, like, mid middle ground of, like, visual novel meets adventure game in, in the West. People started playing those. Uh, games like 80 Days shifted things and, and other sorts of, like, interactive text adventures, sorcery, all sorts of things that, like, okay, this is sort of, this has, like, adventure game elements or there's other things happening. So there's a lot to learn from in, in that in that space whereas like when i think of major platformers that have come out in that time mario galaxy one and two captain toad uh hell yeah captain toad that's, that's exactly- uh, the mario land the, the mario 3d land games yeah uh grow i Home. honestly think breath of the wild is an amazing it has amazing platforming elements totally it is incredibly fun to traverse the world right. it's fun to jump it's it's fun to climb it's fun to use your paragliding i think 3d platformers can be done beautifully and wonderfully and captain toad is maybe one of my favorite wii u games honestly right yeah it's, it's great it's a 3d platformer that doesn't use jumping it uses other types of traversal it uses more camera setups it uses all this other stuff but it's you're essentially traversing and solving puzzles you're doing the things you do in a 3d platformer in that game i guess i'm curious like do, is am I am I completely off base in feeling like part of the thing here is that you know the the team that made Thimbleweed Park got to look at a wide range of adventure games and say okay what do they do right how did how did they streamline whereas I'm curious if the folks behind Ukulele what sort of is it true that they had enough material even to look at and say okay here's how here's how the 3D platformer has been streamlined and modernized or has there just been a lack of that stuff to, to begin with 
All right, I guess another question is, what's a 3D platformer, or what, what, what is another 3D platformer, besides the ones that I've mentioned, that hasn't been getting it right? Or is that it? I mean, I think you mentioned a lot of them. Okay. There aren't many 3D platformers right now. There's certainly game. I mean, even something like Crackdown obviously mm. has platforming elements. There's a lot of games that have, like, borrowed 3D platforming elements. Even, even the Metroid Prime series had platforming sure. elements to it. It's not a platformer, per se. I, I think the thing is, and I think this is the biggest problem, even if they really remade a good, solid, banjo-like, uh, you know, with that level design on that, like, to that degree, doing the things that, that went so, so well for Banjo-Kazooie, I would still love it, even if it had some of the quirks of the old design. I think that design can hold up. It's just a question of this level design, the way the moveset is arranged, the way things are organized, just isn't good. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a well-crafted 3D platformer for me, at least, I don't think the 3D platformer is like an old, dated, like crappy design paradigm. This just isn't a good. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Version of well, also key to a key to any platformer is the fluidity of movement, right? Like platforming uh. is 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 rooted in it is enjoyable um as the player to to run around in the world like if you don't yes. nail that part then uh you know a lot of the other you know no matter what you do with the rest of the structure it's it's going to have a hard time clicking and i don't i just i don't i'm not enjoying running around in ukulele like the like actual traversal elements yeah. of that game i find to be troublesome a part of that is the camera the camera is a real problem uh impediment yeah. in in that game but Cameras weren't great in the N sixty four era That's either. Absolutely so, true. so, 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 <laughs> you know, I and so, you know, but there was something to the movement of of Mario of 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 Banjo. Like there, there was a, and it's not just the running around. It's how it all clicks. It's the jumping. Yeah. It's the double jumping. It's it's how you're connecting moves to extend the platforming. It's how you're gliding around, which is a key part of ukulele. It's a key part of Banjo uh, uh, Kazooie. Um, and so, I, th- I don't think that stuff works particularly well. It doesn't feel it, or it feels stiff in a way that uh, it doesn't work for me in 2017. I think, like, if you go back and play Banjo-Kazooie, yes, it still feels a little stiff, but it's also a product of its time, and so you're able to kind of look past that and and, and contextualize that game as it was, and I don't consider that to be uh, a fault of the game as much as it's that's what that game is from that time. When I play a game that looks like that, but then feels like that in 2017, a modern game, that's a harder uh, hill uh, to, to climb and also there are certain elements of those games that I just don't have the patience for anymore like when I started ukulele and one of the first menu prompts you get is you collect a little feather and it says hey buddy there are 200 of these in each world and then I wanted to place my face in, in, a, in a bucket and just and just move on from this world because the idea of like collecting 200 of these in each world Ah, like I understand, like part of uh, putting collectibles in these games serves 
um, a very specific purpose, which is to encourage exploration and to have the player sure. find those nooks and crannies. Yeah. There, there are ways for collectibles to be effective as a uh, device to incentivize the player to explore in ways they might not necessarily do on their own. But like when I saw that number, it gave me the flashbacks to games like Donkey Kong 64. Like that was Donkey Kong 64's like it had a lot of other flaws, but like one of its biggest flaws was that it was the the apex of collectathon, when it was yes. just like you know what makes a game good? Collecting 300 things. Yeah. It's like no, like that's not what makes these games good. And that's exactly. like like that's a lesson that I want like you know, when you play Mario Galaxy or 3D Land or 3D World, there are collectibles, but those collectibles are incentive, incentive, uh, incentivization to to do specific tasks, to play the game in a certain way. Not they are not just. something to give you filler uh, for right. um, in order to kind of gate you from doing certain things. And, like, to that end, I'm fairly confident at this point I'm not going to make it to the end of Ukulele um, just because there are so many games so out. So many like, games. There's, a different, there's yeah. a different year where even though this game isn't clicking with me, you know, when I've advocated in the past for playing, you know, mediocre or flawed games, this is kind of the exact sort of game I would like to sit and dissect mm-hmm. and spend more time with to to better understand why it doesn't work for me. I just don't think 2017 is the year that I, that I can, <laughs> or at least this point yeah, in 2017, I can fair. find the time for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I mostly it bums me out. It, it might bums be me interesting. Out. Yes. It might be. Yes. It might be increasingly true that we don't have the time to to play mediocre games because there are so many good ones <laughs> yeah. generally. I, this year especially, right now, we've had a really great run of big-budget AAA games that are all, like, many of which are, are really fantastic or at least deeply interesting. But, like, I, there's something new on Steam every week if I can <laughs> if I can dig through it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I can find something that is worth my time every day. Uh, and that is new like that is a that has been a change in terms of accessible you know easy to easy to find uh good games in a way that like three years ago i probably couldn't necessarily do there did feel like there were dry spells three years ago and there are still dry spells of big games now but like i don't know like there's so much i still i mean this month we're gonna have uh you know flint hook comes out in a couple of weeks which i don't know if it's good but the demo i played was fantastic so Uh, hopefully the whole game is good signal of tolva is about to come out which we've had on the show a couple times like there's all sorts of little stuff that is really interesting and like sorry games that are like kind of eh i just don't know that i have time (laughs) i know know. yeah Sorry, eh. you know, <laughs> I don't have time for you, man. It's yeah, it's it's tough because because I, I do respect the notion of like I want to dip my toes into something that I don't think is. I mean, what the fuck am I talking about? I just beat Mass Effect Andromeda, which is a game I did not like that much at all. <laughs> I was gonna uh, say, yeah, Austin, like, there's you, ukulele is maybe ten ten hours of your time as opposed to Mass Effect Andromeda, which was seventy, 70 hours of your right? time. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many bad ten hour games you could have played? I know seven so of many. them. I've been playing Austin. Gear. Speaking of good games. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, no, 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 bite no, your no. tongue, Austin no, Walker. No, no. I got into, I'm in Route C. This is minute, uh, near Ooh. minute. Let's, welcome to the near minute. I'm, near minute. Yo, that game. It feels like that game just started, Patrick. Yes, route. Yes, yes. I, you know, route, 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 route uh, B is when your eyes begin to yeah. widen. It's like that that meme about your whatever they, they call that meme where the your brain, brain is, is slowly four, exploding four as minds. you learn new things. Yeah, yeah. Four minds. Yes. Like you are. Yeah, you are on the third mind. I'm right of there. Near, uh, 
and you're and you're on, you're on your way. What's interesting about that game, if I can just briefly hijack this, if I can hack into this this conversation, <laughs> you can hack right in, Austin. I was talking to a friend about this, uh, who is a game critic and, and academic, who was like, ah, I'm like six seven hours in, and I see what this game is doing. I get it, blah blah blah. And I, this is not like an uncommon thing. The, the sort of like, no no no, you have to at least get to ending B. Like that's a sort I know. Of, that's a sort of thing. Uh, but, but I have a different here. The way I ended up pitching it to him was this, which is lots. There are. I said, like, listen, Frank, you and me, we both have a history with action, with like character action games. We both have a history with stories about robots and sad robots, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, none sad of this robots. is new for us. But what Nier does is it uses its first two routes to introduce new people to a lot of these concepts that lots of games and movies and short stories and books mm-hmm. have explored about like robots and consciousness and machine consciousness and what what counts as human all that stuff in the first 24 hours or so of the game 20 hours i don't i don't know i did a lot of the sides i did all the side stuff i could yeah it, so did it's I. As if it sets up it says like hey if you don't know the if you know these conventions already guess what we're gonna give you a pretty cool fun like romp through those things again here's a sad robot here is questions about what counts as human. Here is, you know, it's questions like, Yeah, it's like if you haven't been, like, you know, reading Philip K. Dick right. and, like, are well-versed in, like, the critical dissection of Blade Runner. Exactly. Which, that's not, that's, a lot of people aren't. Like, no, a, a lot, lot of people, people are vaguely yeah. aware of sci-fi totally. tropes. Totally. But are, aren't, haven't seen them displayed in the way that, that exactly. Nier does. It's basically, like, priming you for, Exactly. Like, for the, the deconstruction, the deep dive yes. that comes in, you know, like, partly into the way of C. But even through B, it starts doing it. And so, like... Route B, that is. And so, and so, like, yeah. I really like that notion of it. It's like, it is both a 101 and a 102 course, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's like a <laughs> no, 101 right. and yeah. then an independent study. And, like, that's, like, awesome. <laughs> like, that's so good. Like, I want, that's, that's a cool way of doing this. Um, I, I kind of, part of me kind of wishes a, route A and B were the, the same route because I want to get into the, but that's just because I know I, I'm familiar with the stuff already. I do want to just jump into route C. There, there is a way that, that the game could have been yes. streamlined, but I also, uh, you know, people have heard me time and time again rail against games for wasting their time. I do think the time, like there are ways that they could have streamlined uh, the routes A and B together in in some way. But I think there's also an argument to be made for where the game ultimately goes for really being methodical yeah, and, yeah. and spending and, time and with and those characters. And it's yes, and like the fact that you are retreading certain things is purposeful. Yep. And meaningful for understanding the scope of where it ultimately goes. Mm-hmm. So while I think there are ways it could have been improved, I also, you know, I don't think this is a game that is, is it's not filler. Like, yeah. it, even if it could have been done better, I think the approach they took was with the intent of making sure you are fully prepared for what it ultimately wants to do and talk about that wouldn't be possible if it was, you know, t- t- too streamlined. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy with it so far. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get into the meat, as it were. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's we have to have a spoiler cast once I'm done. I'm gonna yep. try to get through it maybe this yeah. weekend, and then we can do a special good, thing. Good, 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 good. Because it's really special. It's really a special weird thing. So that's. And my, I'm glad it's selling well. Like I'm not usually someone who sort of yep. you know gets on the sales train, but I you know I am now on the Yokotaro Express. I want Hell this yeah. man. To do whatever he wants in the future, and yep. so I was—I was, I was legitimately curious. excited and encouraged by 
Um, the fact that it's it seems to have sold a million copies so far, I don't know what their expectations were, but if I have to guess, they were pretty modest. Um, and the fact this game came on Steam was super smart, um, mm-hmm. so that you know the, the game could find a, a wider audience. And uh, yeah, so even though I'm not usually a salesperson, I I do. It's you know we always want to encourage you know creative folk to get a chance to make the stuff they want to make, and totally. I'm. Uh, d- deeply excited that um, Yokotaro is finding a wider audience and success and, you know, clearly he already kind of makes what he wants to make, but uh, maybe that'll be even more the case uh, in the in the future. Here's hoping, here's hoping that whole team gets gets to do some cool fucking shit, so... Yeah, I would, if that partnership could just keep up, just if, right, like, Yokotaro can keep just working keep with Platinum, totally. like, that is, that would be a, a, a dream. Totally. Do y'all want to go to the bucket? Let's take a little dip. What's a number? What's a number? That's in that's that's route E, right? That's the final route. Of... <laughs> yeah, it's the de- yeah, deconstruction of man. What is a number? What what, is, what number did you just give us? Uh, seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Tim is in the room. It's the year the first Star Wars movie came out. I don't I know. I see. I see. You know, I was feeling like that. Yeah. Tim Barnes. Tim Barnes four five one on Twitter. <laughs> hey, waypointers. Emilio from Puerto Rico here. Uh, here's my question. What game or developer is the Velvet Underground of video games? I'll explain. <laughs> oh. I remember a few years ago when Lou Reed died, there were many eulogies that say that how influential he and the Velvet Underground were in inspiring other artists and how that would be his legacy more than his individual success as an artist. So basically, what games or developers uh, developers more recognized for their influence than financial or critical success? I initially thought Far Cry 2 for this honor. What did you think? Um, I love Far Cry 2 a lot. I'm but I don't know that that's where I would jump. I, I think my answer to this is actually really basic, which is like, it's Mario. It's the, it is going to be the, some of the big games that people grew up with and thought like, oh man. Doom. But, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I think in this next generation, it will be, it'll be Minecraft. It's the thing that like not only yeah. inspires you to play games, but then to start modding it and thinking about how to make stuff. Um, that's my gut, which is like not as interesting, right? That's not, it doesn't, those answers are not Lou Reed answers, you know? Um, I wish it was... I mean, fun. yeah, I mean, he's basically trying to argue, is like, is there some, you know, obscure indie yeah. designer or game that secretly influenced a lot of things people love now? And, but, like, premised in that is that the the band never got popular, right? Like, popular right. in the way that we, we mm-hmm. talk we and sort of, like, broad. Right. And I don't yeah. know that that's... I love Far Cry 2 to death. I know designers who are influenced by Far Cry 2, but most of them were already designers. Right, who are like, oh yeah. yeah, like that team made some cool, some cool decisions. Like Clint Hawking, cool. He said some s- smart stuff. I'll integrate that stuff. I don't know, you know, the the other the other analogy that this always reminds me of is like the Pixies, like didn't sell a billion records, but everybody who right. heard them went on to make a band. Um, and so like that's kind of what I'm thinking in in, in this yeah. similarity. But maybe that's not true. Maybe there's just like who influenced other people who are already in this space. Um, Can we do a looking glass yes, irrational right. thing that's here, actually maybe? It, because right? that's a closer, maybe? I know, but they're, they're no. not unsuccessful, you know. But no, but, but looking glass was definitely, yeah, that's, that's oh, the theory. Oh, you know what it is? It's before, it's before System Shock. It's Ultima Underworld, right? Which is right. the first person okay, RPG yeah. that includes, like, that invented mouse look. There wasn't mouse look before Ultima Underworld. Inventing mouse look allows you to d- start thinking about environmental storytelling, interacting with things in the world that goes beyond. It was the beginning of the immersive sim. Exactly. That would essentially exactly. crescendo yeah. with uh, Deus Ex. It was essentially Warren Spector. <laughs> right, right. But even there, like, you don't yeah. get Bioshock without that. You don't get, yep. you don't, but you also don't get Far Cry 2. You also, there's all sorts of stuff in that space that is, like, 
all about like, oh, right, this is a whole world that I can look around and interact with. I think that, and I bet a lot, a lot of people could coin Mario. Not a lot of people could coin Ultima Underworld. Right. Sure. Yes. Sure. Like a lot of people who love Bioshock would what they would I, what they would point back to as influences would be right, like Doom, maybe right. right? Like, oh, that's how we got to Bioshock. It's like, well. Mm. It's not wrong, but not – like, you know, the actual sort of line is like a clearer path to Ultimate Underworld and Thief. And, and Thief and, and Game like and System yeah. Shocks and all that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good answer. I think Ultimate Underworld is a good answer. Uh, yeah, I Here think so. There we go. Whew. We got, we got <laughs> we to got something there. cool. I like that one. I'm happy with that one. It's, it's rare that we get to like a definitive, like, this is the waypoint <laughs> answer, but – uh, let me the waypoint definition. You know, today, uh, the Brooklyn definition uh, of that. 80, 82. My eyes are closed. Danielle, you, 82 you is good. Take a look at 82. All right, I'm going to look at 82. Sorry. I didn't know that was a Danielle look at 82. Yeah. I was, yeah, I'm, I'm slow on the uptake here today. 82 is a great number because it was uh, two years before I was born. Okay. okay. That's one way to judge numbers. <laughs> trying here, okay? I got it. There's you. a great, I'm sure. Blade Runner came out in 1982. There we go. Okay. Hey, I'm trying. I'm working for it. Here it is. This comes from Dylan. Not our Dylan, but uh, another Dylan. Dylan Coburn. I assume. (laughs) Dylan writes, hey, all. Some of my favorite memories of video games involve some form of jank. Examples include uh, killing the fight master in World of Warcraft, warping newbies to the end game, uh, the end game boss in Ragnarok Online, or exploding a warthog across the map in Halo. Do you think modern games lose, uh, they lose out due to their high level of polish? From Dylan. I think we still get a lot of janky games. <laughs> That's I, yeah, I think, I, I think you just gotta look on YouTube and you find plenty of people doing fucked up stuff and with Steam. video games in 2017. There's lots of jank out there right now. And, right? If, and if anything, it's more enjoyable as fidelity increases and as developers try and put more and more restraints on players because then when it all breaks, it's like even more glorious like like um assassin's creed unity is a great example of Ooh. this when all the faces would fall apart and certain modeling wouldn't kick in and you get these this nightmare fuel uh, <laughs> as you're playing the game and the it's Beetlejuice like eyes and tongue yeah kind of thing yeah and it's right. like that's this amazing part where you see this deconstruction of the game and the the jank takes over um in in a way that clearly would probably didn't make them happy i will say that yeah. it, if i think we we should be generous with with dylan's question because what it it seems like Dylan was really getting at was not like glitchiness, not bugs, like mm-hmm. not just no polish, but specifically behavior actions that you can take because of exploits and like gaps in in the programming and in the design that let you do things you shouldn't be able to do otherwise. And I still think that the, the answer the unintended there's there's a term for this, and I and I can never grasp it when I need to, but like it's it's not emergent play it's there's some term okay. that's associated with this that's a wonderful term and i've You've lost it that's, that's okay it, that's but. good though that's <laughs> fine we know what we're talking about and i think even I mean, that- also we we have a uh, you know these days we have more games that like recognize and that and incorporate it. and yeah. encourage players to actually bend and break and and so it actually like the what used to be uh, breaking the rules has now become like the rules um, in, in a certain way, not for every game, but there's a certain you know design track that is is built around this idea of you know let the players do whatever they want, and that's the that's the whole point. Totally, yeah, for sure. 
Do you guys have a favorite type of that thing? Or it's going to be hard for me not to just not to say Breath of the Wild right now because it's filled with that stuff, and there's so many stories yeah. I have. But it's just, a great example. It's a great it's like so every day on Twitter there is something else that someone has done, like the one I saw yesterday, which I'm sure is old news for a lot of people, but where they you know managed to construct this craft where mm-hmm. they put uh, metal underneath a box and then they could lift the box with the magnesis tool and they could just fly themselves everywhere, okay. anywhere that's in the amazing. world. And I was like, that's, <laughs> you know, and that's a so great good. example of what we're talking about of like, yes, is that what they intended? No, but also yes, but it also is what yes. they intended. Yeah. But they let um, you do it. Yeah. And the only, <laughs> the only indication you get that you're actually bending their expectations is that when you are doing things like that, the world can't load in properly. Yes. So it's like, so you actually are getting a recognition through the game design of the limitations they they thought were going to right. be part, like, right? Like, they would have had more of the world load in if they really thought players are going to be constantly finding ways to subvert it and allow them to fly to the top of the, the game world. But by actually seeing that hitching, you see concretely yes. where they put in the limitations, which is itself super fascinating to yeah. see where the designers themselves thought, okay, this goal this goalpost is fine here. They, you know, th- 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 will allow them to play within X part of the world and exploit X part of the world, but we're good otherwise right. to encourage like a su- smooth player experience. And then immediately when you see stuff like this, you see the, the limitations they put in place and then watching the players kind of just walk right past them. There was a video going around of someone who, by using... The paraglider, stamina potions, and bomb arrows. Did there's a challenge where you have to see how far you can paraglide, and he paraglided for like eleven minutes from the middle, like <laughs> west of the map, oh all God. the way across through like the volcano area and back down to Eventide Island. It's and went like seven thousand meters or something, right? Like went oh seven God. kilometers uh, by doing this trick because he just kept creating updrafts, um, and that was like part of a little. There's like a mini game where you can do that to get money, right? And he did it, and it, again, it went on for 11 minutes, and it zips him back to the guy uh, who, who runs the minigame. And the guy's like, wow, I've never seen anybody go that far before. Here's 100 rupees. And <laughs> it's like, oh, you didn't anticipate. There is no, like, super long distance like, yeah. reward for that, because you just never would have guessed that someone would have committed to doing it that way. That, I, I'm sure if people in that dev team did break the game in interesting ways, and then they had to do the thing of just like, but that's like 1% of 1% of players is going right. to do this. Fuck yeah. them. You know, like let them deal with the load in. And, uh, and it is true, but what's also different in uh, in the modern era is that it's shared, right? Mm. So jank used to be something you told your friends about um, right. or like, you know, on the playground or, you know, on your BBS board. But these days it's a Twitter video that gets shared 15,000 times. Like it's just like, so now, you know. Which is uh, actually, a lot and nothing. That's the thing that's crazy yes. about it, right? Is it like. That game is going to sell... still a tiny percentage of players. Exactly. Like, that's the thing that I think about a lot with us, is, like, our hyper-aware, you know, games sphere is still, in a way, a little backyard or a little recess, uh, sure. uh, you know, area or whatever. What are those called? What are recess areas called? Playground? Playground. <laughs> in, ac- in academia, we call, we call them... those recess uh, areas. Recess areas. Play- <laughs> Play squares. Our play yeah. square. Play square. <laughs> oh my god! I'm trying to explore the play space. Play space. Yeah, it is play space. Oh, right? That's good. I'm glad be. we got there. Mm-hmm. I'm about to go give an academic thing, so I have to get in that <laughs> mode anyway. Good. If you're in New York, you should come to theorizing the web. It's it's happening in like three hours. It's happening now, but my my panel is in a couple hours. Um, 
All right, I think that's, <sighs> that should probably do it for us. Danielle, do you want to take us out since you're hosting? I mean, you know, I could if, if you want me to. I don't know. I don't know. Are you going to kill my segue again? We'll see what I think about birds. I don't know. Maybe if you I know, Are you going to break the, the beak of my segue? Is that what's going to happen? That was, a, that was a reach. Hey, you know what? <laughs> the judgment here is, is really rough, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's going to do it for us, friends who are our friends and, and not mad at us because we have bad segues. Uh, you can, of course, uh, find us online uh, because you're watching us online. Obviously, we are at Waypoint on Twitter. We are Waypoint Vice on Facebook. Uh, we also have an Instagram. I think that's just Waypoint. Danica knows that one. Maybe it's Waypoint Vice. <laughs> See, I'm doing such a great job. So where can we find you, Austin Walker, on the internet? Uh, Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. Awesome. Patrick, where can we find you? You can find me at Patrick Klubik. No underscore. Don't. I don't those pretenders with the underscore. Not me. I spent a long time thinking about trying to get Austin Walker or A Walker or A Walk or something. And then like A Walk. I, I like, well, so like it. I, I used A Walk for a long time as like email addresses and like uh-huh. my Instagram or whatever is just like A underscore walk. Um nice. and then but like those are all taken and now it's like, well now I all I've said Austin underscore walker doubt tens of thousands of times into microphones <laughs> and it just Your feels brand right. it's my brand underscore underscore it's true it's my hacking name sometimes <laughs> you're underscore. an underscore yeah you know what about you danielle where can people find you you can find me danielle ri on twitter you can find all of our writing at waypoint.vice.com and now we're going to do our shout outs tim barnes producer and engineer tim barnes 451 on twitter he's an awesome dude and he loves star wars and lord of the rings Dylan Coburn, who is not personal on Twitter, dad? is also a really rad dude. Uh, he's he also, also single and looking to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> he also enjoys long walks on the beach yep. and surfing. Uh, it's true. Those are true about Shout outs to Bowen, uh, who lets us use his beautiful track, Miss You, off the EP Pale Machine. You can go to waypoint.zone slash Bowen for more information on Bowen. For all of us... Thank you so much for spending your morning, uh, early afternoon with us. We appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be good or be good at it. Ooh, Have a wonderful That's day. good. <laughs> you like that? I do. Be good or be good at it. It's a good sign-off. I like it. It is. For the weekend, you know? I got you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We gotta leave. We gotta get out of here. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.